Hi, guys. Welcome to my pleasure. I think it's episode 11. Like, I'm pretty sure I've been keeping track. And if you're on the live stream, yes, usually it will happen on Mondays at 7 p.m. on AMP. But um, I've been filming a movie, so we're doing them on Sundays. But next week, we'll be back to Monday. And I'm excited for that because I do think that Sunday should really be a day of rest, even though that does come from the Bible and the Bible is not my friend particularly. But there's some, you know, hey, just goes to show just because you don't agree with everything doesn't mean you can't have some takeaways. Even I have some good takeaways from the Bible. So... I think Sunday, by the way, also most people have different work schedules, whatever. Days of rest are great if you can snag them where you can. So I was thinking last night, like, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about on this week's episode. I'm so drained. And I realized something really special, which is that this is like, I'm recording this when I'm almost done shooting a movie and like, I'm in the middle of it. It's it's still happening. And when have I ever been recording a podcast during such a unique, special experience in my life? And maybe I should like try to talk about it a little and try to make a time capsule for myself, so to speak, and just share with you guys. I know you guys have been asking about it. And, you know, I never know what people want to hear me talk about. But at the same time, it's not really about that. I should just be talking about whatever I feel like because after all, the name of this show is My Pleasure. It's supposed to be for me to be free. And something else I want to add to that is that I'm really treating this like this podcast you're getting, this is it. Like this is me. This is me, the top of my intelligence. This is me, deep and honest. This is how I talk to my friends. I am not putting on any sort of front. And that should be like, oh, duh, but it's really not, oh, duh. Like, I, it's not an easy thing to do. And that's why I think it's taken me a while to get to a place where I'm like, you know what? I am just comfortable in who I am. This is just a solo audio only podcast. Like, only so many people are realistically going to like click the link and get on board. You know, people get bored easily. So I kind of feel this freedom here that like almost as though if you paid a subscription price, which you don't, this is completely free, but it's it feels like it has that sort of vibe to it where it's like if you're here, you really want to be here. So that makes me feel safe here and it makes me feel like I can be honest and just not gatekeep. I love that gatekeeping has become such a... um a prominent phrase in our culture. And I, I thank the young folks for that because I feel like that's a word that I needed and now it's here, you know, cause it, we always do feel like people are gatekeeping things, whatever. Okay. Who cares? Um, let's get into it. I want to start with some questions as little thought starters. Oh, oh wait, the movie. Okay. Um, so the movie that I'm shooting is an independent film. And I wrote it with um, one of my closest friends. And he and I, his name's Nick Goosen, and he's a director. And 
actually, we kind of met because of the late, wonderful Stephen Brody Stevens. And my friend Nick was a fan of Brody's for a long time. They're both from the Valley. And, um, you know, Nick was working in the comedy world and he was a fan of Brody's. And he had seen my old podcast, the Brody and Esther podcast. And he, you know, thought Brody and I were so funny together. And then he found out we, he and I shared the same manager and he set up a meeting and we just hit it off and we'd been friends ever since. And, you know, we've been working together writing together, collaborating. You know, he had directed several web series over the years for Comedy Central. There's one called Six Guys, One Car. Um, he, we worked together on the Trevor Moore comedy special. And Nick and I had actually written a web series together that uh, we wrote it back in the day, like ABC had like a web series department. And so we wrote it for that. And then that department, like, disappeared after five minutes and it just so happened that uh the show alone together the pilot that we had written me and benji got picked up so that had become my focus you know and then on the back burner you know nick and i were like well we really wanted to make this other thing that we wrote but now i'm doing another tv show let's turn it into a movie and that's sort of how this movie came about and i think if you are on the esther train in any sort of degree this movie will, you will recall things that you've heard about when you see this movie. Does that sentence make sense? Like, you know, it's kind of a little bit about uh, me working at Johnny Rockets. It's kind of, you know, me being a, I, I don't want to explain the movie. I really don't. Um but I work at a pharmacy and that's kind of, it's, you know, a character like me. So I see, I shouldn't be talking about it because I'm not doing a good job explaining it, but I will when the time comes, you know, I think you guys will like it. I'm really happy with how it's going. So one of the, because, you know, my friend Nick and I are so bonded over Brody Stevens. One of the things that we've been doing on set is, you know, Nick will every, every, day he'll do like these Brody impressions and they are so fun and like especially when the nights get really long and really late he just does Brody impressions on the mic and like it's just so much fun he's just like you got it and it's made me really happy you know and it's kind of been nice because I typically don't um I don't really think of Brody in a positive way anymore. Like, I think I have this defense mechanism against having happy memories about him because I just don't want to go there for whatever reason. And it was, you know, obviously losing him caused this very painful, stinging, unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And so my brain is almost like it will not, it does not want me to think about him. And in fact, like then like I'll be reminded of him, you know, obviously he's mentioned by people and I don't, that doesn't bother me. I know that's not coming from a bad place, but you know, these things will pop up like the, you know, little events for Brody and they just kind of like, they don't make me feel good. They make me feel bad. And so I don't, ever get to go there into a happy place with him. And I have to say, to my huge, huge surprise, 
through us talking and laughing and hearing impressions of him, it has really shifted me back towards a happy place of thinking of Brody. And it's been really nice. And, you know, with that comes obviously that sadness of, oh, I miss that person. I want to see that person. I want that person to make me laugh, you know? And so that is a little bit of a sting that comes with it. But overall, I am just so happy that I've found a happy moment or a happy place. Like it feels good again to think about Brody or just to know that it can feel good. Because I almost feel like for the last five years, I've completely forgotten about the fun parts of that relationship, which is so weird. If that feels like, how could that be? But it is so true. It's just been such a darkness. And every time he comes up, it's like, it's so bad. It's such a bad thing. The way things ended and the fact that they did end, it's like, it's so tragic and it it's so hard not to feel, you know, I don't know if it's guilt, remorse, whatever it is, because we all knew that he was struggling. And so it's like, oh, well, I guess you didn't pay good enough attention. You know, whatever it is, whatever the things you do in that situation, you know, for people who don't know, we're talking about Brody Stevens and he, he took his life and um, we used to host a podcast together and he is just a beloved comedian, especially particularly in the Los Angeles scene. And, um, just a little context in case you're like, what the fuck is going on? But, uh, yeah, it just, the, I guess it's like really cool that I've been able to, to enjoy, enjoy it, <laughs> enjoy hearing and thinking about hearing impressions of him and thinking about him, the memories of him and stuff like that. And I kind of, one that always pops up as like sort of my favorite moment because I can remember it so clearly is when I shot this commercial for Dairy Queen, you know, seven or eight years ago, whatever. And I remember, you know, I ran into him at the comedy store and he's like, Esther, what's going on? I was like, oh my God, I actually just shot this Dairy Queen commercial at a high school in the Valley. And he was like, what high school? And I'm like, I think it was Reseda High School. And like, I just, the, it, the joy in his face, in his voice, in his eyes, when he just lit up to tell me, oh my God, that was my high school. Like the fact that I shot a Dairy Queen commercial at Brody's high school, it just made me feel like the world shook. It made me feel like it was Christmas morning. It made me feel like I had just given him a birthday present. Like the amount of energetic, positive force in the universe that that was, he was able to provide in that moment. Like, and it was so pure and like natural and unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And obviously in that moment, I walk away and I'm like, Brody is so weird, but looking back, I'm like, wait, that's, that was so magical and almost a lesson in how contagious and positive excitement can be. And like, it was just so fun and there was nothing like him. And 
I'm not trying to say that his reaction was healthy. Um, I don't know what it was, but it was really special. And I guess the like takeaway is, hey, like, don't be embarrassed to be really excited about something because now I have that memory and I do think that's a really cool thing that he was so fun and happy and excited about something. And, you know, the other thing I really think about when I think about Brody is our, our hikes. Uh, when we were, you know, we used to live in the same apartment building in Hollywood just for a year. It was right after he got out of the, uh, I guess the mental hospital, whatever you call it. I don't know. Was it right after that? Yeah, it was. It was soon after he was 5150 and, um, he needed a place to live. And I was like, look, Brody, there's a spot open in my building where we live near the comedy store. We were living on, on Hollywood Boulevard. I know ultimately he didn't like it towards the end because he wanted to be back in the valley. That's fine. But, um, when we did live there together, we had a really nice routine where I remember I was babysitting and I would get off babysitting work at seven and I would get back to the apartment building by 7.15 and we would go on our hikes and we'd hike Runyon Canyon and he had very specific rules about his hikes. You know, he was very methodic and very, um, he just kept to his rituals, which is another thing like I, I, as I get older, I'm like, wait, that was so smart and I get it and like, you know, yeah, it's a little like controlling or whatever, but also I think it's cool to have boundaries and like know how you like to do things. And, um, and then the other thing that I haven't really shared, but I mean, Carlos talk about a lot is like, Brody used to get so irritated if you would say like a negative word or a negative thing. And he would like, be like no like you gotta keep it positive and I, I can't really think of a specific example but I just remember certain words or things being said and even if it was a swear word you know that you could play back and see on the old Brodenester episodes but and I remember you know a, a thing that in the moment when that would happen I'd be like oh my god he's like so weird like who cares? But then now as I'm older, sometimes it's like really hard to stay in a positive frame of mind. And like, you don't want others to like sprinkle in negativity because that could fuck with you. And so I feel like I've kind of, like, I kind of have a little bit of that. And I try not to be like a jerk about it. But sometimes people say negative things. They're like, ah, I don't want to hear that right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like Brody. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know really what else. Those were just a couple things that I was thinking of and it feels really nice, um, years later to finally, after losing him, feel a glimmer of positivity about him. So that is like so awesome. What a win, right? And it, it, what's crazy is how much it took. Like not only has it been like four or five years, whatever, but 
my friend Nick has been doing Brody impressions like the whole time we've been shooting. And it wasn't until like week three where I'm like, oh my God, I miss Brody. Wait, yeah. Oh my God. And then he would say this and then he would say arms crossed negative. And, you know, and so I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that it's feeling fun again to think about him. Uh, I never thought it would. So there's some hope for you. Let's move on from that because I don't think I have more to say right now. So thank you for listening. Um, oh my gosh, actually totally different subject, but also like old, mm, well, let's look at the questions. Let's look at the questions. So, and by the way, that was sort of me answering a question because someone had asked for Brody memories and I, because they asked and it kind of aligned well with whatever. Why am I explaining this? Who cares? So Veronica Nunez, or is it Nunez? I don't know. Sorry, Veronica, but I love your name. Asked me, has a past lover ever given you the ick? And if so, did you continue to see him or break up? So I'm really glad you asked this because I actually have such a strong opinion on the ick that I haven't shared, I don't think. And even though I'm, I'm down to discuss it, on Trash Tuesday, you know, we talk about dating and stuff, but realistically, you guys, when I dig deep down, there's no such thing as the ick. Like, get over, we need to get over that. We need to get over ourselves. Like, there's no one thing that a person does and suddenly the spell is broken and you think they're ugly now. Like, I think that is absurd. And I think it is stupid. And I think it's possible still. I think that people do things and you don't like them anymore, but like it doesn't really need this label and it doesn't, we don't need to like make people feel like shit because they tripped or because they had a booger or like whatever. I just feel like I have, I'm covered in icks personally like as a person, I have, I'm, I have so many ick qualities. Like I feel like a guy could like me and then like listen to one podcast and be like, one, two, three, ick, I'm done. So I'm very anti ick conversations. I understand it. I somewhat respect it. And I think it's good to like have boundaries or certain things you don't want to put up with. Like that is for sure important. But in terms of like talking more about, little things that guys or even girls, whatever people do. And then suddenly you're just completely turned off. Like that's, that's negative. Mm -hmm. That is kind of too negative for us to dwell on. And I think we should be looking at people as a whole person and a whole experience and like not just suddenly dislike them because they tripped. Like that is insane. That's treating people like objects almost. It's like, oh, if you're not the perfect manly man and you don't always see where you're walking. It's like, whoa, if those are your expectations that a guy can never like do something that gives you the ick, like sneeze or fart or fall down or whatever, like you are setting yourself up to fail. The only person who loses is you because you're grading people on this impossible inhuman scale. By the way, then why then you're giving them the license to do it back to you. I don't know about you guys. I never want to be graded on that kind of scale. I want to be free to fall down. I want to be free to have underarm hair 
and nipple hair and body odor. Like I want to have icks and I want you to have icks and I want us to all be at peace with our icks because ultimately if you like dig really deep down there, I think like if you have, the, if you see the ick in other people, it's just because you see it in yourself maybe. Like, is that a possible way to turn this around against people who want to be judgy? I don't know. I don't need to do that. But I do think that I don't subscribe to the ick. And I don't, I, I don't need, wait, I was, yeah, I don't need, I don't need to judge people for it. Imagine if how what I would do if every time I gave myself the ick, I I broke up with myself. Like, what would I do? Because I'm so full of icks. It's just I don't have the bandwidth to punish every ick I see. That said, I do see some. <laughs> but they're never a thing that I, I've never dumped someone over an ick. That's for fucking sure. But I get it. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who go on lots of dates and like, they just come across certain qualities and people that are just not nice or whatever. That's a whole different thing. But I don't want to judge people for tripping and falling. Like, I can't do that. And the guys who don't trip and fall, they're going to cheat on you. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of something bad. But, like, the guys who are perfect and have no icks, like – they're not real people and you don't want them anyway. So there's my rant on the ick. But great question, honestly. I hope I inspired you to not judge the ick. Being imperfect is a good thing. Wabi-sabi. I think that... Wait, let's look that up. Have you guys heard of this? It's called wabi-sabi. It's like a smart person thing. Although I learned about it. I'm not going to say how I learned about it. It's too embarrassing. Okay, fine, I'll say. I learned about it from the David Letterman show episode where Kanye was on. And I can't believe I'm talking about him because we didn't, we don't like him anymore because he's making stupid people think that Jewish people are a problem. Okay. In traditional Japanese aesthetics, wabi-sabi is a worldview centered on the acceptance of transience and imperfection. The aesthetic is sometimes described as one of appreciating beauty that is imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete in nature. It is prevalent throughout all forms of Japanese art. So wabi-sabi, it's like, uh, here, characteristics of wabi-sabi aesthetics and principles include asymmetry, roughness, simplicity, economy, austerity, modesty, intimacy, and the appreciation of both Natural objects and the forces of nature it is often discussed in tandem with a similar aesthetic concept. Momo, mono, no aware. I don't know what that is, but you get it. It's like wabi sabi is a Japanese aesthetic that is imperfect. So based on this really ancient, highly, uh, respected Japanese aesthetic, ha- having an ick or two is actually a really good thing. So you kind of want people to have a nick or a dent or a, a slip up. That's a good thing. Artistically. Right? We like this? Okay. VIP IV had hit me up on Instagram and asked me as a traveling comedian, 
What are your favorite things to do in the cities of your upcoming tour? And what makes the cities in your upcoming tour some of your favorite places? So I thought this would be a good time because I am in the middle of shooting the movie to wistfully, happily discuss how my kind of routine when I'm doing stand-up on the road goes. So um, I am going to Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco in December. Tickets at estheronice.com. I think San Francisco is basically sold out, but there might still be a couple, especially a few single tickets. But so, okay. Why are those my favorite cities? One, because they're really close. They're easy flights from LA. Also, they're such cool cities with their own character to them and yet still feel very similar to Los Angeles. Whereas sometimes when I go, I've gone to places where I just, I, I don't know, I, I, as, as corporate, like, fuck rat as I sound when I say it, I love to go to a place that has a sweet green, a Starbucks, um, stuff like that. I really like being places where I feel like, oh, this is just like my city where I live. And I know that's very close-minded, but I like my comforts. I like to have those options. So, but there's more to it. I love San Francisco. I, I think it has, it's so, such a unique city. And I really think any big city in California is like special and fun. I think, I just think California is cool. And Portland is a place I never really knew much about. But then when I started going there for stand up or for work, I'm just like, this place, I could so fucking live here. They have such good food. They have like such a cool coffee scene. Like it just feels like a place where I would be so happy. And pretty much same thing with Seattle. I've been there less, but, um, and then I'm also going to Phoenix, which I like Phoenix just because it's hot weather and they have a Lumalnati's. I think all my answers are based on food. So basically when I'm on the road, I, what I really like to do when I can is fly into a city the day before my show. I used to go day of. I don't like doing that anymore. It's like too stressful. And then I can't really like have a relaxing travel day. It becomes more of just like, gotta hurry, gotta get there. Oh my God. Like what time does the show start? What's my set? Like it just gets too hectic. And obviously when you're on a tour, some days I have to fly into the city same day. That's fine. But just getting it started. If I can, I fly out the night before. That way I can get in, walk around, kind of just like live in that city for a night, get taken the vibes. Again, travel is not really my thing. I don't thrive off of it necessarily, but I'm trying to have a more holistic, positive approach to it. I'm trying to really experience the cities I'm going to because I'm like, well, I'm there. I might as well. Whereas before, years ago, if I was traveling for stand-up, I really would not do that. I would really just sit in my hotel. And I do sometimes still do that. But at the very least, I like to do one of my anti-sadness walks. I love to research different coffee shops. I'm always hitting up you guys, asking for recommendations. Love to like walk into a cool... um what's it called? One of a kind non-chain coffee shop and like tell the barista like, make me what's your favorite thing. That is so fun to do. And so do something like that. Honestly, like, um, sometimes I'll find an Urban Outfitters, you know, check out the flannel selection. 
sometimes I'll look online. I really wish there was like a good, okay, so you know the website Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's website, it's just like become a complete ad. It's all an ad now. It's like not anything about it is, is authentic at all. It's just all an ad for like $800 jeans. It's really disappointing. I feel like it used to not be that way and they would have these little travel guides like the goop travel guide and so sometimes i'll look at those but i really don't trust them anymore i wish there was like a goop type thing but it was like honest and like younger and cooler but i guess it's just like all of tiktok has all of that information it's just not all in one place so Although I should really reach out to Ireland Baldwin because I saw that she uh, lives in Portland and has a wine cafe. And I maybe I should go there. I'm, I'm like very interested in like a wine cafe with a shop situation. Not that I drink wine, but I just feel like I would have fun at a wine cafe with like an edible or something. And okay, so... All of it really establishes that I like walking and getting coffee and maybe going to Urban Outfitters. But that's kind of it. And then like obsessively researching like where's good food in Portland. I'm definitely going to Nong's, N-O-N-G-S. It's just like, I don't even know what the exact kind of cuisine is, but it's really good. And so I'll basically like order, usually order or go out to a meal come back to the room, prep my set a little, get ready, go to my show. And then if it's a, at a comedy club, I always get like chicken fingers and fries in between shows. If it's not a com- these are theaters, so I won't be doing that. But usually it's like get to the venue, do the show after the show. And these are going to be theater ones. So it's one show a night, which is so ideal for me because that means I can really go long and like do a Q&A and stuff. And it can be, you know, not the pressure of multiple shows. And um then afterwards, basically, Carlos and I will find a food situation. I will take edibles and we will just like watch a podcast or – um that's it. Just, just, that's it. Eat, get high, laugh, go to the next place. So it doesn't sound like much, but I have to say things that don't sound like much sound pretty good to me right about now. And, oh, someone suggested to go to the Reddit, the subreddit for each city, and that is a really good idea. So maybe I'll start doing that. But I will definitely always be putting out on my IG stories like, hey, where should I go eat in each city? And that stuff always really helps me, especially because like sometimes people, I'll get like the same thing uh, over and over again. And then I'm like, okay, so many people like this place. I'm going to go there. Lana Burns asked me, iced coffee in the winter in a cold place is acceptable, right? Yes. I feel like it's such hot girl vibes to be drinking an iced coffee in like below zero weather walking around. It's such a commitment to the hot girl lifestyle to be willing to be cold. 
or, and, or like to be willing to like have your outfits aesthetic be more important than feeling warm. That is not something that I have been able to achieve in life yet. I aspire to, but I think honestly, the biggest like flex I've ever seen is when I went to New York City with my friend who I, Oh, there's always like so much weird, unimportant backstory with me. But like, I did this summer dance program in New York one summer. And like, I got so close with a bunch of the girls I did it with. Cause you know me, like, I'm just like, Oh my God, we're friends for life. And then after we did that, me and this one girl on East, we were like, we loved it so much. We need to go back to New York. And she was like, well, my uncle has a condo in New Jersey. Just come with and we'll stay there. So. I go to New York. We did it for Christmas break because we were both in college. And we're staying at our uncle's condo in New Jersey. Mind you, I'm like 19. I've met this girl once before. She lives in a complete different state. I'm like, okay, I'll stay at your uncle's condo in New Jersey. Sure. And it ended up being so fun. And... I remember we were walking through New York City and we were so cold. We were leaving a dance class. It was nighttime. And she's like, let's go to Starbucks. And she got an iced drink. And my jaw just dropped because at this point I didn't drink coffee yet. And I was obviously so cold and I was just like, wow, this is like commitment. I love it. Like it's so hardcore to me that you like your ice drink so much. You'll drink it at any temperature. Like that is a flex in my book. So. And you know what? Sometimes you got to stay at your friend's uncle's condo in New Jersey. Like that's just sometimes part of how you make your dreams come true. (sighs) Like I'm like getting, I'm like exhausting myself tonight. I think I have to take off another layer of clothes. Hold on. Oh, I know what I did is I turned the heat on. Oh my God, I'm such a baby. I got a really good message from one of you guys this week. I'm going to pull it up because it was about body image that we talked about last week. Time for a nice coffee to cool down. I know. So I had talked about body image and basically what I said was I have times where I look in the mirror and I feel really good. And I have times where I look in the mirror and I feel really bad. And I have times where there's this voice inside of me that's saying like, you're an ugly monster, like you're never going to be pretty, like you're just so disgusting, whatever it is, the bad voices. Like you can't, you can't do that because you're too ugly to do X, Y, and Z. And what I said was, well, I just ignore that voice. I don't pay attention to it. Like I don't make decisions from the place of wherever that voice is speaking from. And then this girl had messaged me and she's like, that's totally fine and cool, but... I would actually say that one thing that she teaches and that she says to do is like, you should actually engage in conversation with that voice because that inner critic is like a, it's like a pain, it's coming from a painful place and it might actually serve me to when those thoughts come up, you're too ugly to do X, Y, Z is to be like, well, hey, now, and to like sort of engage in like a thought-based conversation and like talk it out of it. That seems really hard 
I just want to say like I actually when I say that out loud I'm like I have no interest in negotiating with my sad voice inside of me that doesn't like me like I don't want to negotiate with that person I just want to like put a pin in them and push them to the side and be like no you're done but I do understand that if I wanted to heal it and have it go away I would have to negotiate with it but I this is like getting a little too deep for me and like it's not it's like a little above my pay grade but I just kind of wanted to share with you guys because she had sent in that and it did seem like a good idea and I felt like um, I, I should pass it on to you guys. And I am going to look up her message. I, let's see if I can find it, right? Sometimes it's hard to find things. Hold on now. Here it is, actually. Not that hard. Okay. So she said, on the last podcast, you talked about noticing the inner voice that is mean about body image and that you push it away, ignore it. A big shift for me in my relationship to myself was to no longer exile the critical voices, but to try to support it. You might think of the inner critic like an inner child that was told something awful and now uses their voice out of fear. You wouldn't tell a scared kid to get out, right? You'd listen and you'd take care of them. A lot of times we repress these voices. If we repress these voices, they come back even meaner. And a great book to read about this is No Bad Parts by Richard Schwartz. It's, and then she said, I have not read that book, so I can't really recommend it yet, but I will, I kind of want to read it so I can talk about it for you guys and for myself, because this is all for me. It's called Internal Family Systems Work. Sorry, I'm going to say that sentence again. It's called Internal Family Systems Work, which a lot of therapists use. Happy to answer any questions about this. I'm a voice teacher and use this kind of technique when people, okay. So when people are songwriting or singing and being really hard on them, on themselves. And she said, I've seen some amazing things happen when people stop denying this part of themselves and start being gentler on themselves. So I think this is a really interesting articulate idea here. And I'm curious about it. I'm super supportive of it, and I wonder if it will help anyone. I, I don't know if I'm really ready, like I said, to get into a negotiation with myself about myself. Like, I think right now I feel really good about simply putting a pin in any big decision making when I'm feeling down. Like, to me, that has been a, like a game changer in my life. And I think this would be like a leveling up of self-work, but I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have that in me, but maybe I do. I was clearly drawn to it for some kind of a reason, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Let's get to segments, you guys. Okay. My anti-sadness this week is to, whenever I can, engage in small conversations with strangers or people at work. Like I love the good brain chemicals and feelings I get from connecting with another person. And so this week I'm going to use that as my anti-sadness because when I do that, it makes me feel good. It makes another person feel good. That's my anti-sadness. Have a little chit chat. You know what? I get it. It's really easy to be a hater on small talk, but that's being a jerk, okay? 
Sure, it's boring. No one wants to talk about the weather. I get it. But you know what? A little chit-chat is fun. It makes me feel more connected to my fellow humans, which in turn makes me feel less obsessed with myself. And that's always a good thing. Okay, my taste of the week is, this is really important, and I think I haven't talked about this yet anywhere, and it's like my life hack of all life hacks. It's the salad I make. It's a barbecue chicken salad. And it's for sure the taste of the week. It is inspired by the salad I used to get at this chain restaurant called Famous Dave's. And it was a salad that uses barbecue sauce as dressing. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back because this is really important. It was a salad that uses barbecue sauce as dressing. Now, I don't know about you, but barbecue sauce is fucking amazing. Okay? And when you use it as dressing, you're like... You're cheating death. You're cheating. It's a cheat code. And what I do is I do romaine lettuce, whatever salad fixings you like, red onion, tomato, avocado, pepperoncini, whatever it is. And then I make frozen fried chicken tenders and I add barbecue sauce. And sometimes I add a little bit of Dijon mustard just to like be really cool. And you feel like you're just... It's a fried chicken barbecue sauce salad. Like what? And you shovel it in. You get to eat it like it's this big bowl of ice cream. You know, you know, like that feeling when there's like a big bowl of food in front of you and you're like, oh, my God, I get to eat all this. Like that's that's how it feels. It's just a salad. It's not like a burger or a sandwich. It's a salad. But it tastes like fried chicken and barbecue sauce. And I put hard-boiled egg in there, too. And that's also really good. I'm really... Can you see how passionate I am? I've become so passionate about making food at home ever since I learned how to use salt. I used to not use salt. I didn't know that you needed it. The hot girl homework is to bring a reusable water bottle with you wherever you go as a flex, okay? I have been doing this I honestly just like it better because I have my own big bottle I know how much water I drink when I get home I know whether or not I need to be shamed because only half of it's gone or I need to be rewarded and um showered with love because it's all gone like I have I keep track of it and on top of it you're not contributing to like the plastic water bottle fiasco of our generation and even though it doesn't matter because you're just one person and using one less plastic water bottle is not going to do anything we're going to pretend a little bit that it does so that we can feel like we're flexing we feel good about ourselves you know but we're doing it's selfish because it's better for me to use the glass water bottle that I bring and then I know what I drink and I'm like I know that's mine and it's not going to get confused with someone else's and like I guess this is really all very specific to like working on a movie set where there's like plastic water bottles everywhere but maybe it's not okay maybe just maybe it's not really specific to that and maybe this applies to everybody but my flex is bringing my own bottle and being like, oh yeah, that's my bottle. Mm-hmm. I'm just a hot girl with my own bottle. Silly me. 
And then my top five. Okay. I, <laughs> you can see I was very cold today. I overcorrected and I got too warm during this episode recording. But my top five today is top five warm, cozy items. This is basically a list that a five-year-old could write. And that's okay. That's okay with me. My top five warm, cozy items. A soft throw blanket. A throw blanket is so perfect for me. And this might be because I'm short, but a throw blanket always is enough to cover all of me. And it's like, I love that it's not big enough to share. So it's like all for me. I love the isolation that a throw blanket provides me. Next is a thin fitted long sleeve shirt. I know it doesn't seem like that would be on the list, but you guys, it is. That thin under layer protects the skin so that there's never air blowing up your shirt. There's never air in between your skin and your shirt. You're just, you're completely covered. A thin fitted long sleeve shirt is important. Next, socks that go high, okay? You will not catch me. You will not catch me outside with socks that don't cover well above my ankle bone. I hate when my Achilles tendon is exposed to cold air. I don't care what time of year it is. I don't want air touching my Achilles tendon. The skin there, I guess the skin covers it, but I, I love, I need socks that go, you know, at least six inches above the ankle. Exposed ankles is not a game I play. That's a, like, that's a hot girl flex that I am not at that level. I'm, I'm not there. I don't want to be there. My ankles are covered. Unless I'm having a really great special day where I'm just feeling myself. Maybe there's two days like that a year. No, my ankles are covered. They're so cold. They're so vulnerable. Next hoodie and sweats you can't go wrong you always need i almost feel bad talking about it because i'm not kidding you guys my sleepover by esther sweats and hoodies are my number one cozy warm hoodies like by design that's why i make them and i feel so bad that it's cold and i haven't been able to put the newest ones up for sale yet because i'm too busy but i'm like i have to they're so great but honestly any hoodie and sweats you can't have a cozy season without that. And then this last one is kind of weird, but wearing your shoes in the house. Now, I know someone said fuzzy house slippers, which, yes, that's probably the more appropriate answer. But because I haven't had any good fuzzy house slippers on hand, I've just been like wearing my sneakers or my Uggs inside the house. And I, I love the feeling of that. I love like feeling ready to, ready to rock. When your shoes are on at home, like, you might be at home, but bitch, you're ready. You're ready to answer the call. You're ready to run outside if you have to. Like, I love the feeling of shoes on in the house. It just, it just makes me feel ready for anything. And that is pathetic. But that's how we roll, okay? You guys... As always, I appreciate you. 
I'm so grateful you're here. I really think that you're smart and that you're curious and intelligent and intellectual and creative for being here. So thank you. Thank you for going on this journey with me. And I love that someone had sent in that message and I love learning from you guys too and sharing it and keep continuing on with this being more of a conversation and a learning experience for everybody involved. Not just me and not just you, but all of us. And I uh, want to remind you that if you haven't seen my stand-up special, it's finally streaming for free on YouTube. Just search hot for my name, Esther Pavitsky, you'll find it. And estheronice.com to grab tickets for, for what? Oh, for my stand-up tour. Phoenix, Seattle, San Francisco, Portland. And lastly, if you want to be signed up for my text alert system thing, SMS, marketing, messaging, whatever you want to call it. All you have to do is text 847-648-9098. Text that number. You'll be signed up for alerts for when sleepover is back and when I'm in your city, all that stuff. So I really appreciate you guys joining me. I hope you stay warm this week. I hope you wear some shoes in the house and I hope you wear, bring a reusable glass water bottle somewhere and people are like, what's that? And you're like, nothing. It's just my water because I'm a hot girl. Okay. I'll see you guys later. Bye.